Well, so good to see all of you here this morning. Thanks for being here on a cold January. Thank you that are seated in metal chairs. We're trying to do something about that as quickly as we possibly can, um, <clears throat> including uh, giving you uh, an 8.30 and an 11.30 service. <laughs> So you, you can, you can uh, if, if you want to get up earlier or stay later, you can go to those services. 8.30 is, is filling up rapidly. Um, we're really proud of those people that come out early and, and thank all of you for coming and just being patient with our, our building as we are building another one uh, now on the west side of town. Can we give it up for the new building on the west side of town? Amen. So thankful for that. So if you're in, the, in that area, drive by, pray over it, uh, give God thanks for it. Went out, the, out there yesterday, took some pictures and video. Metal studs are going up inside. The interior is starting to take shape. And so um, we're, we're thankful for what God is doing uh, through all of you, his, his church. And so we just want to uh, give, give you some honor today. I want to take just a minute before I, I get started. I want to honor my dad today. He's sitting over here on my left, your right. Hey, Dad, I love you. And so uh, today is the one-year anniversary of my mother's passing. And uh, this guy has been just a champion uh, this year. Uh, he's kept his joy and uh, his faith in God, and uh, I'm just thankful for him. Can y'all give it up for my dad and uh, bless him today? I love you, Dad. Uh, so great to see all of you here this this weekend. This is a, a big weekend for us. For those of you who, who don't know, we are uh, this is Life Group Launch Weekend, and so we are are uh, this is a vital part of our church. Just being involved in biblical community. And so uh, this afternoon, we will have our life group launches here. We'll turn this whole room into just, uh, just a great environment to come and hang out and, and share some life with people. And so I hope uh, to just prove over the next few moments with this message how vital and essential uh, relationships and togetherness is uh, for the people of, 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 of God. And so... If you're wondering why, why we do life groups, I, I believe uh, that the spiritual discipline of relationship is just as vital or important as prayer and as worship and as reading the Word of, of, of God. And so uh, many times we can forsake and uh, disengage from that, that particular discipline. And so that's where I want to spend my time talking about it this morning. The first thing I want to, uh, to present to us this morning is to make sure that we get and that we understand that God was clear about something, and that is that we are better together. That you and I are better when we have a tribe, when we have a people, when we have somebody around us that we can live life with and enjoy life with. Uh, Bible scholars will tell us that there is something about the first mention of a word in Scripture that has a lot of, of power and strength to it. And it's called first mention. And so anytime a, a word throughout Scripture is mentioned for the very first time, it kind of becomes the precedent for every other time it's ever mentioned in Scripture. And so the first time the word alone is mentioned to us in Scripture is found early. In Genesis chapter 2 and 18, it says it is not good for man to be alone. And so I think it's important to look at the context of that in, in a couple of ways. The first one is that the first time alone is mentioned, it's in a negative connotation. So we see that when God sees it, he sees aloneness. He sees isolation. He says, that's not good. It's not good for you to be by yourself. Okay. Now, the greater context of this is that he's saying this to Adam. 
So here we have Adam, the only guy without a belly button, and we have him walking in the garden with God. They're doing some neat things. They're naming animals. They're hanging out. They're spending a lot of time together, and God looks at him and says, it's not good for you to be by yourself. So this is, is a, again, a, a big relationship. We see the lateral relationship with God, the upward relationship with God, that Adam is walking with him. He's naming animals. He's using a, a, a wisdom that God has given him. But God gets that he's not human. God understands completely. I'm the creator and you're not. And so you need to be walking with people and living life with people who are also human, who have pain the way you experience pain, and disappointment the way you experience disappointment, and hurt the way that you hurt, and laugh the way you laugh, and celebrate the way you celebrate. You need some people in your life that are like you, and, and you need to, to live it out with them. You need to, to reciprocate the joy and the sorrows and, and all, all of those sweet moments and all of the sorrowful moments. It's not good for you to be by yourself. That, that, that's what he's saying. So here's the, here's the big point. So before prayer or scripture or worship was ever introduced to us as a spiritual discipline, aloneness was addressed by God. And he said, it's not good. It's not good for you to be on an island by yourself. And so here's what happens sometimes. We have people who say, listen, I come to church. I read my, my Bible. So I've, I've got God. I'm good. That's all that I need in my life. And I hate to disappoint you, but it's not true. Because if Adam can walk around with God, and let's, let's just face it. I mean, you may have a good prayer time, but it ain't that good. Okay, that you're walking right there with God, and God says it's not good. So from the dawn of time, he set a precedent, we are better together. And just like there are promises for those who seek God or honor their parents or finance the kingdom, there are promises for those who commit to the discipline of togetherness. And I just want to give you three verses really quick. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 30 says, says this, One person can chase off a thousand. Two can chase off 10,000. So he gives us a big promise of efficiency. The fact that you, with just one more person, you become 10 times better. Right? Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. I assure you that if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, my Father who is in heaven will, will do it. Wow, that's pretty big. That when we come together in faith and inside the will of God and we are agreeing on anything, he says, God is going to show up and hear you, but it's got to be two. Okay? When two of you are together. James chapter 5, this is great. Make this your common practice. One, one version says, do it often. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other that you can live together whole and healed. Okay, so a very big deal. So just in those three verses, God promises his presence, his healing, an answer to prayer, and ten times the efficiency of you by yourself. Okay, big spiritual discipline here that we have to get is being in community with other people. So the big question today becomes this, do we believe that enough to do something about it? Do we believe it enough that we get out of routine, out of our comfort zones, out of, out of the, the, the daily rut, and get involved in somebody's life? The unfortunate truth is that all of this makes sense. You and I are intellectual enough today to get that what I'm saying, we assess ourselves and we go, you know, that's prob probably right. 
I'm better with somebody else. I've been isolating. I'm on an island. I feel like everything I do in my life, I'm just by myself. And we get it. We understand it. However, we continue to live a life of crowded isolation. And what I mean by that is this. Our lives are crowded by appointments, task lists, family stuff, work stuff, kids stuff, life in general stuff. You just finished a bunch of Christmas stuff. All the stuff that surrounds us. And a recent study revealed that we are checking our technology 85 times per day. That 85 times we will check a phone, we will check an iPad, we will check a tablet of some sort, and we will make sure that we haven't missed anything. We spend five hours a day browsing, looking at apps, responding to folks, checking messages, rechecking messages, checking emails, making sure, again, that, that we're not missing out from a connection, this crowded isolation. This equates to around one-third of the hours that we are awake, we have this in hand and are interacting with it. And so we are more connected, hear me, than any other generation to have ever experienced life as you and I know it, yet we're more spiritually isolated and emotionally removed than any other generation in history as well. I remember the very first time that I picked up my phone, and I had a friend who was a missionary to Hong Kong, and I picked up my phone, and I texted him, and I was talking to somebody across the world. And I realized immediately, I was an international speaker. <laughs> that, that the mission field had come to me. And so suddenly, in the palm of my hand, I was talking to people around the world for the very first time. And it was amazing. It was almost euphoric. And this experience of just being able to, to pick it and, and connect with someone. And now we are almost addicted to the feeling of having 10 conversations going at one time and responding and ha ha and putting on an emoji and sending a, a, a short vi vi video or, or, or saying this and being sarcastic or praying for somebody or, and meet, meet me over here and meet me over there and, and all, all of this stuff. And we got all these conversations and we're in crowded isolation. We do it by ourselves. Here's why. We have forgotten the discipline of togetherness. We have forgotten. We've created a whole generation that is awkward with sitting across the table with somebody. A whole generation that has no idea how to go to a job interview and talk. Can, I, can, I, can you just text me the, the questions? And then I will text you the questions back. And then you can decide if you want to hire me. I'll send a picture so that you know what I look like. Uh, we, we have a whole generation of people who don't know how to interact, how to, how to feel the hurt and intuitively detect that someone is having a bad day. How to intuitively know how to celebrate with someone. Some people are so awkward with high fives, they don't even know how to do it anymore. Like, I, I know this is a happy moment for you, I don't know what to do with, with, with my hands. I mean, do, do I hug you? Do I high-five you? Do we just look at each other? Do I say, that's great. What, what, what do I do? How about, how about this? I'm going to text you. Funny. I'm going to text you congratulations right now. And I'm sending some balloons with it. Okay? That's how, we, that's how we are connecting. Isolated, but yet in crowded isolation. We've forgotten the truth of this scripture that we are better together. All right? I want to share a philosophy of our, of our church. And this is really a method of living life that I want all of us to Im implement, and we're going to call it Ahead Beside Behind. 
ahead beside behind. It'll all make sense in just a moment. I want to read Matthew 7, and we're going to kind of tether the rest of this message to this, these, these verses. Verse 13 and 14, this is what it says. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for many who choose the way. But the gateway to, to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. We have to consider that if the road is narrow, and if the road is difficult, and it's important who we put around ourselves for that particular experience. If it's hard to find, if it's difficult, if it's narrow, we need to be on this ad ad adventure with some other people who are willing to fight for its narrowness and for its difficulty. We need to be on this road with people who can support us in that. And so that starts with this thought. And here's, here's the first thing. And I, I want you to write these three things down today if, if you have a pen, if you're a note taker. So the first one, do I have leaders ahead of me? Okay, this is, this is kind of the, the metric to know if you're living life isolated. The first one, do I have leaders ahead of me? Do I have people that I've invited in my life intentionally that, are, that I am following, that are, are leading that I can look at and mimic and, and model and see God in their life and where they're going and say they are living life at a great level, a level that I would like to have in my own life. Okay, The Word of God is full of reminders that we need people around us to guide us and to use wisdom. And sometimes in life we feel stuck, every single one of us. And I'm not talking about whether you need to order the lettuce wraps or the crispy green beans at Payway. Everybody knows you go with the lettuce wraps. I'm talking about difficult life, heavy stuff, okay? The stuff where you go, man, I'm, I'm so stuck, and so oftentimes you don't have anybody. You have accidentally even, or unintentionally, or maybe intentionally separated yourself from people so much to the point that now you're at a major crossroad and you have no one to confide in. And so you begin to take a leap, you say, I don't have a context to pull from. I don't have an experience of, of this circumstance. I don't know where to go. I don't, I don't, know, I don't have any wisdom to lock in to filter this, this choice with. And so you just do it. And so you make financial choices or educational choices or relationship choices or career choices without one single question to a leader in your life. Because you have isolated, you have devalued the thought of being led. Okay, Proverbs 15, watch what it says, verse 22. Plans fail with no counsel, but with many counselors they succeed. Okay, another way to say this is this. If you want to succeed, get counsel. How many of us want to su succeed? All of us. We want to succeed in everything that we put our hands to, pour our energy into. We want to be successful. So we need to seek, seek counsel. If you want to start a business, you find someone who has started a business and done it successfully, and you seek counsel. Whatever it is that you want to do in your life, find someone who already does it and does it great and get counsel from them. Seek them out. Find a leader. The Word tells us that we can imitate the lives of people who are living the right way. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke God's word to you. Imitate their faith as you consider the way that their lives have turned out. It was a point in my life, I, I, I had a call of God in my life real early. 
And I've, I've shared this with you be, before because so I was, I was kind, of, kind of torn because I had a love for one thing, and yet I had this call of God on, on, on my life, and it took a while for them to merge together. And so I found myself in, in my early 20s completely surrounded with just, with just sick people, unhealthy people on a lot of different ways. And what I found is that the longer, the, the, these were the people that were pouring into my life and, and were helping to shape me and mentor me, and my experiences were around them. And, and, and so I would mimic their lives and their actions and their behavior and their worldview and all of those things. And I began to adopt their pathology. And so because of their sickness and their negativity and their demeanor, I began to get sick and negative and change my own behavior. And I found myself, I said, i got to get some help with this. And so I found a pastor friend, and I sat down with him, and I said, this is going to sound so strange, but I am surrounded by people, and those people are making me sick spiritually sick and physically sick and the way I treat people and the way I see the world and maybe sometimes the way I see God. And he gave me some great counsel. He said, you got to cut some people out of your life and separate yourself from them and get people who are life-giving around you. And I said, that's not what Jesus would want. He wouldn't want me to cut people. Of course he would. He wants you to be healthy and, and happy and full of life and full of joy. So I begin to divorce people in my life. I begin to cut people out and say, I, I, I can't do it with you anymore. I can't live life with you anymore. Okay, listen, it matters who you're in community with. We can't just talk about community. we got to talk about who you're in community with. And so it's important that these relationships are God-given or else you will find yourself covered in the leeches of this world and they will sap you of all of your strength. You got to get into a friendship that God ordains, that fills you up, that just encourages you, that supports you, and helps you to be who God called you to be. That's who we got to get in our, our lives. Okay, so we got to have leaders ahead of us. Second, we got to have friends beside us. My, my question is this do we have friends that, we, that, that really know you? And I'm not talking about that 1,212th person on Facebook that you saw in Harps 18 months ago and you think that their kid is cute. That's not a friendship. Okay, I'm talking about someone that you can't lie to. I'm talking about a friend that you can't run from. Okay, When you have a friend that you can't run from that'll find you when you're in trouble, that'll find you when you're isolating, that'll come and find you and say, I'm not going to let, let you do this too to yourself, that's a friend. When they start the conversation with, I love you, but, that's a friend. Okay, when they have to confront you and it's done with love and it's done right and it's done with the Spirit of God, you need to value that person like a precious jewel. All right, in Ecclesiastes, the Lord shows us how valuable these types of friends are. And I'm going to tell you something. Here, here's a nugget of in information. As a pastor, this is one thing that I know. You're going to have some bad days. You're going to have some bad moments. You're even going to have some bad seasons. And you can choose to do one of two things with those. You can live it out, alone, by yourself, or you can do it with people. And I have found that even if you're in a bad circumstance, if you're surrounded with people and enough sarcastic people, you can laugh your way through a trial. You can have joy amidst sorrow. You can cry at night and laugh in the morning. Why? Because you've got people in your life to live it out with. It's biblical 
community, and it's a spiritual discipline. Ecclesiastes 4, this is what it says. God, God gives us this. It's beautiful. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Again, efficient. Verse 10, if one should fall, one can pick up, up the other. But how miserable for those who are fallen don't have a companion to help them up. You're like the old lady on that commercial. I have fallen, and I cannot get up. That's who you are. You've got to wear a little thing around you to press to hope people come and show up and help you up again. Okay, but if you have a friend, you have some help. Verse 11, one of my favorites, but it's kind of an odd verse. If two lie down together, they can stay warm. How can anyone stay warm alone? Turn to somebody and say, you need a snuggle buddy. Go ahead and tell them. You need a snuggle buddy, okay? Now, if you're a first-time guest, I know that was a little strange. We don't do that every single week, okay? So stay, stay with us. You need a snuggle buddy, verse 12. Also, one can be overpowered, but two together can resist. And then he ends with a three-ply cord is not easily broken. There is something about coming together. Even nature gets it. Cows have a herd, fish have a school, birds have a flock, geese have a gaggle, right? Nature understands. I've had these moments in my own life when I needed somebody in that moment, and it made a difference for me. I remember when Riley was born. She was about four weeks early, and so she was just a little over five pounds. And so I'm at home. We had just got home, and now we, we have a baby. What do you do with a baby? Like a real one. Like a real live one. This, things are coming out of its body, and it's hungry, and it's yelling, and it's cantankerous, and you want to give it back for just a while, but it's yours. And so I remember this. I was at, at the sink washing bottles, lots of bottles, a sink full of bottles. And so I'm trying to serve the baby. I'm trying to serve Robbie, and she's trying to calm me down. I'm taking Xanax. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. And my mother-in-law shows up, and my blood pressure dropped by like 30 points because I'm like, somebody's in the house who knows what to do with a baby. <laughs> right? It's beautiful. When I had my neck sur surgery a couple years ago, I woke up, and friends were there. It was great. When we moved last year, the Richardsons would not leave us alone about helping us. Please, let us help you. Let us help you. Please, let us help you. Let us help you. Okay, move a picture. You know, let, 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 let us help you. There's some times when I'm having those weeks, and you guys forgive me if this seems crass. There's sometimes a pastor even has those days where he doesn't want to think about how to, how to, how to build a new strategy and how to, how to start a new ministry and how to, how to help this person out of that. There's a time you've got to have a mental break, and so there's sometimes Craig or David will call me and say, hey, let's go to a movie. Let's not think about anything but popcorn and people getting shot. Let's go have, let's go have some fun. Just, just unplug. Just go to a, a movie. There are a lot of times people will ask me, and I completely understand, but they'll, they'll see me kidding around with Chuck Woodson. They'll, they'll say to me, why are you friends with Chuck? I get it. I understand. It, is, it makes no sense at all. I should not be friends with Chuck. <laughs> and so I think I'm, I'm his only friend. That's why, that's why I'm friends with Chuck. I'm his only friend. It just, it just hit me. A few, this has been a, a while. I was in my early 20s. I was really going through this hard spot. I was broke. I, didn't, I had no job. I was living at my parents' home. And Chuck called me. He had a little side business doing floors, and he called me. He said, "Hey, I, I got. I'll give you a hundred bucks just to come help help me tonight and hang out. Let's just hang out." And he really sensed that I was just down and out. And a hundred bucks to me in that day felt like two thousand bucks. 
And so I went and we did stuff with floors all night long and we laughed a lot. But there was this moment where it got really solemn and we sat in his suburban with wet mop heads just drying. And he began to speak into my life about what he had seen and some truth that he knew about what was going on. And he said, I'm going to unveil this. I'm going to show you what's going on so that peace can come to your life and you really get what's going on. And over the next three to five years, every single bit of that was validated. And two people who were well acquainted became really good friends on that night in the suburban. Why? Because when you got somebody who will tell you the truth, value those people. Even if it stings, even if it's hard, whatever it is, okay? Proverbs 17 tells us this. Friends love through all kinds of weather and family stick together in all kinds of trouble. When you really have a friend, you can weather anything. You can stick it out. They are to be valued. Do you have friends beside you? It's big. you got leaders ahead of you and friends beside you. Proverbs 27, 17 tells us this. It's a popular verse. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. However, I always have to, have to bring this up when I'm teaching on this because the iron sharpening process is not comfortable. It's not always balloons and cards and coffee. It, 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 confrontation, love. A friend can a lot of times be a mirror for you, a good reflection. They, they have your blind spot. And a lot of times there are things in my life that I will not see because it's, it's, it's a blind spot. That's why I have a wife. Because she points them out, okay? About three of y'all have the same marriage I have, okay? And so when you have something going on in your life, your wife can point it out. The people closest to you can point it out and say, Kevin, every time this happens, you do blank. And I don't know that you realize it. That's a friend, okay? They love you through it. It's the iron sharpening iron process, okay? Friends provide fun, okay? There, I don't know if you know Pastor Rick and Pastor Harry very well. Our lead pastor is Rick Bezet. Harry Bates is one of our exec pastors over campus development. It means he just kind of oversees all the projects that we're doing around the state. And they too, they both have a story isolated of themselves, independent of each other, of, of hitting a hole in one. Now what's funny is, is the story always ends that no one was there to see it. So let's just say for the sake of the story, they hit a hole in one. And so they were out on this golf course playing by themselves and each one independently of each other hit a shot. It goes to the green, bounces a couple times, rolls really nice and goes into the hole. And they start to jump and look around and nobody's there. They got nobody to high five. Okay, Now, I, I have a very, very similar story. When I was in high school, I had one goal, to dunk a basketball. That was it. Now, I am 5'10", 200 pounds this morning. Most of it is because of these. And so, um, lots of trouble getting in my sweater this morning. It's just, I'm totally jacked under here. And so, um, so in high school, I was, I was like 5'10", 150, okay? And I would work out on this thing called a leaper. And it was basically just a machine that you could put tension on. You just jumped and jumped and jumped and just built all the muscles that involved jumping. And so, I started with a baseball. And I jumped up and I, and I, I dunked a baseball, and then I went to a volleyball because I could actually grip it. And so I started dunking volleyballs. And then one day after practice, I was in 10th grade, and I had a basketball in my hand, an official game ball. And I said, today is the day. And I started channeling the spirit of Michael Jordan. And so I was just like, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, be upon me, Michael Jordan, spirit of Michael Jordan, spirit of Michael Jordan. And so I looked at the goal, I was very serious, and I went and I jumped from the free throw line. 
I'm kidding. It was actually right underneath it. And so I, I jumped and, and, I, and I dunked it. And the rim hit me right on the wrist in just the right way where I could shove the ball through. And I hung on the rim for just a second, pointing at people below me who didn't exist. And when I fell to the ground, there was nobody to high five. And I told all of my friends, and they didn't believe me, and I tell you this morning, and you don't believe me. And so this is just me in my head. Me, myself, we high five each other in my head all the time. That was such a great experience. Okay, Because I'm by myself. i got nobody to celebrate with. And many times we want to be able, we need to be able to celebrate when we have a kid and when we get married and when our kids do something great and the fact that you're 40 and you finally finish college. We need to celebrate those things. All right, we need to have people in our life to high five. Can I get an amen today, right? So third, quickly, am I leading people behind me? So leaders ahead, friends beside, am I leading people behind me? It's very important. That we as followers are leading someone. Pastor Rick once said, you only have to be one step ahead to lead somebody. I think because we get in our minds that a leader is someone with charisma or ability or a certain gift to draw certain things out of people. And you got to be able to have an expertise. you got to be able to have this or that. Not true. You just got to be one step ahead of somebody in life to turn around and love them to their next step. Right? And so Matthew 28, verse 16, Jesus pretty much gives us this command of the importance of leading others as a follower of Christ. I'm going to read it to you. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. He says, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Commission is a pretty, pretty big word. I'm commissioning you to go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, meaning the life of Christ, making them by baptism in the threefold name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. Now watch this, and I will be with you as you do this. So this is very big. For those of you who feel weak and insecure and feel like you should be the last leader on the planet, Jesus says, if you will lead somebody else in this life, I will show up. I'll help you. Because it doesn't have to be in this format of mass communication. Some of the best, some of the best message that I have given someone about Scripture has been over a cup of coffee conversation, just just talking out the love of God. Not in this format, but just conversationally. That, that's, that's leadership. To just talk it out. So we got to have people ahead, people beside, and people behind us to be in biblical community. So I want us to take a moment and ask God where we are this morning. Do I have people that I have in my life that I'm intentionally in relationship with who I can follow? That's very important, okay? Men, let me, let me talk to you about this for just a second. Your wives are needing leadership. They're wanting you to step up in your home and to pray over it and to bless your children and to lead with choices and to get to the house of God and to lead them in worship. Your children need, I, I remember as a boy, the very first time I saw my father lift his hand in church. And I, I, I needed it. It was like permission to worship. And if we will not lead our children, somebody will. There, you, you have to be involved 
in this process. For some of you, you have been hurt by a friend beside you, and so you've made an intentional choice. I would rather be and sit in the pain of isolation than in the pain of vulnerability. So I choose not to do that, and I'll just, I'll just isolate. God is still communicating to you what he said to Adam. It's not good for you to be by yourself. It's not, it's not good. It's as simple as that. And if God says it's not good, then we should, we should take, take hold of that. And am I leading someone? Okay? A leader ahead, friends beside, and somebody following. So I want to pray over us this morning. If you guys want to just bow your head today. There's no doubt in a, in a crowd this size.